Warning, the following episode contains adult language and screaming goats. Listener discretion is advised. The Pinball Network is online. Launching The Pinball Show. Welcome back to The Pinball Show, the most popular pinball podcast on the planet based on numbers because, well... They don't lie. And also, based on a feeling, this week, Dennis and I chat about Stern Pinball production updates, the newly released Looney Tunes and Texas Chainsaw Massacre games by Spooky Pinball, Papa, award show meltdowns, pinball market trends, and we give away virtual plastic trophies for the best of the best from 2023. And sincerely, the happiest of holidays from the pinball show to you and to yours this season. Another year in the books, Dennis, we did it! I don't want a lot for Christmas I don't care about the presents underneath the Christmas tree. I just want you for my own. Pinball is a game of skill. For some, it's a passion and a lifestyle. Make my wish come true. It's time for the Pinball Show. It's Pinball with Personality. Hey, what do you know? It's the Pinball Show, episode 143. Not only America's, but the world's most popular and favorited, most listened to pinball podcast. Those are big designations there, Dennis. That's bold claim, Cotton. Let's see if it pans out for us. Uh, You know what? Numbers don't lie. That's what they say. Oh, they do say that. Data is data. I had to argue with somebody about that today. What what were they trying to argue data was? Well, I had to to kind of, you know, teach them there's a difference between feeling like something is bigger than it is versus, I don't know, math. (laughs) Okay. I was trying to convince them that two plus two is four. Even if it feels like five, mm. eh, unfortunately, it's it's still four. It can be hard to overcome emotion like that. But it feels like five. Dennis, what have you been up to? Oh, I've been so busy just working, getting ready for the holiday festivities. Christmas presents are all purchased. The last oh, one arrived yeah. yesterday. So everything, I think, is in everyone's home or has arrived to me for that gentle wrapping. Wow. You've never seen me wrap a present. It's pretty appalling so i usually use gift bags it's 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 like if you were wrapping it with mittens on it's or like oven mitts it's like it's like if they get it they're like he doesn't have hands right. <laughs> like a cat with a ball of yarn you just oh well but you got it all done right i did i still have to start what are we at the 18th I yeah. got a couple of days. Is Amazon still getting shit here in time? I don't know. Uh, we're starting to hit those thresholds where I think like Monday, today, oh, this geez. Monday is like sort of the threshold for stuff easily getting there without you necessarily having to accelerate the shipping schedules. Man. You know, when you start paying for two day on everything and it's like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll, no, I'm going to need to do overnight. I'm going to need new overnight air. 
you know, where FedEx charges you $50 for a one pound item. Oh, they know what they're doing. Oh, yeah. They know what they're doing. Man, we've had one hell of a year. We've uh, some big numbers on episode 142. A lot of people mm. interested in some timely topics on 142. If you haven't listened, listener, 143 comes along. We now have to do the giveaway. We, we teased it last episode with the biggest giveaway that we've ever done, maybe a pinball podcast history, and uh, giving away the likes of a topper, a play field, armor, insider connectors, shaker motors, banner. We, and you know, I, I felt really bad for you, Zach, because I was there and we were getting it all set up last time, you mm-hmm. know, setting like, okay, we're going to ask people to share the episode, you know, go on the Facebook and stuff. And sure. I was like, we should have an email option too. And yeah. then no one used it. <laughs> there was like no emails. Oh, there wasn't. <laughs> wow. It was such People a bad idea really of me to, to, to bring up that not everyone is on Facebook. How many emails did we get? I don't, I quit counting. I did too. <laughs> so, but the, so many people were just super polite about, thank you guys so much for actually not just making it be for Facebook. Yes. People. It was an avalanche of, I don't even, I don't even know if I've been able to read all of them yet. And they, and they weren't all like, enter me in. It was just like, it was usually like they would spell out what you would have written in a post. What it was wonderful, so, heartfelt messages it was, that we received I, there. It was very kind of them. And hell, even on social media, over 70 shares of the episode wow. alone, all with reasoning as to why TPS is their favorite pinball podcast on the planet. And yeah, so, so nice, the responses and, and what, uh, what everyone was saying, I was, I was overwhelmed. I, I, I didn't, I did, I what, I didn't see that coming. Didn't see that coming to that level, but thank you everybody for all the well wishes and all of the reasons, uh, why we're your favorite. And now it's time to give away the bribes. So let's do it. Let's do it. Let's start with the banners. Mm. As a reminder, if you win a prize here, all you've got to do is email us the pinball show at gmail.com. You can also email me at Zach at flippingoutpinball.com, whichever you'd prefer, and uh, give me your information on where we can ship this to, and we will get it out to you. Some of these giveaways were options as to which ones you want, so I can recap those for you in the email, uh, or if you know something that you want, let me know. But the banner, uh, one of our banners is going out to Craig Hughes. Congratulations, Craig Hughes, on winning a banner from the Pinball Show. Craig's comment said, quote, sharing my favorite pinball podcast for all to enjoy. Zach and Dennis bringing years of enjoyment and animal sounds to the pinball hobby. Great opinions, reviews, insight, and market speculation. The numbers don't lie. Oh, nicely done. Congratulations, Craig. Another banner giveaway, Dennis, is to Tony Scudero. Tony Scudero. Oh, fuck. Scudero. Tony Scudero. Scudiero. Wow, this sounds like a Bruce Nightingale impression. It's if you Tony keep this Scoots. Up with this name. That's right. It's, it's the Scoots. The Scoots want a banner. Tony said, quote, one of the best podcasts, Dennis Creasel and Zach Minnie on the Pinball Show. Funny, entertaining, hilarious, and informative with pinball market trends and news. Thank you guys for always a great podcast. Keep up the great work. Give it a listen. If you know, you know. And if you don't know, then get the twip out of here. Oh, that's extra timely now. A little throw. (laughs) Yes, it is. (laughs) We'll be talking about that here soon. Congratulations on the banner win. Tony, email me. Let me know uh, which one you want. Another banner giveaway to Jamie Marie. Nicely done, Jamie Marie. Thank you for the comments and for the continued support of the pinball show. She said, quote, I love the pinball show. 
Zach is a clown. Wait. Uh, why did you? <laughs> Does he uh, amuse you? Shit. Is he a clown to you? Am I funny? How am I funny? Uh, am I haha funny? Am I a clown? Uh, Zach is a clown and Dennis is a grump. <laughs> You're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. Hey. She threw she threw shots oh, at both of us. The they, bus yeah. the bus is being backed over beep, my old beep, brittle bones. Uh, they make the perfect match for a podcast of pinball news, rumors, and just good fun. I never miss an episode. Thank you, Jamie. I think. Let's give away an insider connected kit or a shaker. I don't remember which one I gave. But uh, I named one of them, or you might have named one. Who knows what we're giving, but uh, you can choose. Do you want an insider-connected kit from Stern Pinball or Shaker? Uh, congratulations, Todd Michard, or Mitchard, depending on what part of the region you live in. Todd, email me. Todd said, quote, this is my favorite pinball podcast. Enjoy at your own risk, and bye-bye-bye. That's just what he, that's what he said, Todd. We're getting higher up the food chain here. We're, we're going to give away a set of stern armor. The winner of the armor goes to Dennis Partkia. Dennis, I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing your name. Partika? Partkia. I don't know what it is. Thank you, Dennis. Dennis has been a supporter for a long time at the pinball show. On social media, after sharing and everything, Dennis said, quote, I don't post much, but when I do... It's to share that if anyone is a nerd and into pinball like me, that this podcast is the bee's knees for anything pinball related. Bee's knees. Nice. I like that reference. The bee's knees. News, rumors, market trends. It's all entertaining. Plus, oh, plus buying from flipping out pinball is super straightforward and pain-free if you're wanting to build out your own home arcade or add to your business. Man, thanks for the plug there, Dennis, and congratulations on your armor. All right, Playfield, Dennis. Who's going to win a Playfield? It's none other than Andrew Payne. Congratulations, Andrew Payne. Thanks for being a supporter of the Pinball Show. Andrew said on social media, quote, Merry Christmas to my favorite podcasters. I look forward to every episode, especially the best segment in all of pinball podcasting, pinball market trends. <laughs> you see a theme here. People love the PMT. PMT didn't even win an award. PMT became an award. How about that? That's when you know when you transcend popularity there. Uh, and we've got to give away a topper. The big topper here. The big topper, the big prize here goes to Paul Patzer. Congratulations, Paul Patzer. If you're hearing this, email me. Let me know which topper you want. Uh, and thanks for the support over the years here at the Pinball Show. He said on social media, quote, the pinball show is my favorite pinball podcast because of Zach and Dennis. Anyone can give you the news, but these guys are great friends and they make you feel like their friend too. Wow. A nice little Hallmark Christmas movie moment there right at the end. Congratulations, Paul. And again, to everyone that submitted and shared your kindness this holiday season for the pinball show, truly and genuinely, thank you. You, you, you know what, Dennis? What? Of the hundreds of responses and entrants that we got, this is super hokey. This is like Bob Saget full house shit here, but each and every one of those are an award to us at the Pinball Show. Yay. Wonderful stuff. We're going to go to Craig Bobby, but before so, I just wanted to, you guys do on EGP like this thing where you update everybody on uh, the, the year of your listens and and if you guys are getting more popular, oh, less popular, you oh. know, we yeah, we do usually that. do a little, yeah, we do a little sat breakdown. Usually it's our first January episode that yeah. we do that. Oh, 
well, we'll break the mold here. I figured we'd do that. I wanted to, uh, we have some people that are interested in how the podcast here at the Pinball Show is doing. Is it climbing in popularity? Is it is it declining? Are we withering away? How's uh, the so, sausage made, yeah, Zach? So, tell, uh, tell them about the sausage. So I figured we'd uh, let everyone know that uh, the podcast does, uh, based on numbers, continues to grow year after year since its inception in, oh God, what was that, 2020? Yeah, I think I think so. Oh, wow. I think so. 2020. So uh, it has been growing, not exponentially. I don't know if anything would, but uh, a considerable pace each and every year as we continue to grow. The averages that we get nowadays uh, for one of our episodes is higher than years prior and so on and so forth. Uh, any guesses to... Which what what our largest episode was this year? Oh well, on EGP, it's usually an episode that has to do with a major pinball release. That's so, yeah, yeah. Was it was it an episode where we did uh, something? Oh gosh, I mean, We've Foo Fighters sold the best, so I, so I could guess Foo Fighters, but I could also guess Venom because people were. I'm gonna go ahead and guess Venom. Venom, uh, Venom. Oh, that was a big one. Uh, but you were right before. So, oh, well, it was Foo? It, well, it was the combination. So we had our largest oh. episode was episode 124 of the Pinball Show, where we, we titled it Foo Fighters versus Godfather versus GTA oh, versus oh, TNA God, 2 Carbon a, Copy. Oh, I was exhausted after that episode. There's yes. just so much to do. It was a lot of information, but it was a lot of releases all at once around TPF. Uh, so episode 124 of the Pinball Show, we garnered a little over 7,000 listens on that oh. damn episode. <laughs> I, I don't usually go back and look yeah, at the stats. You don't ever on it, look so. at the stats, wow. but yeah, that's a okay. big one. Well, I guess it was worth the effort then. That was a mondo sized one. So thank you to all of those listens on that one. That was a, that was a big one for mm. us. And uh, what made me proud was like here we are creating original content. Generally speaking, in in the pinball podcast world, you'll get interviews from people, exclusive interviews. That's where pinball podcasters say they get their numbers from. Uh, but here at the pinball show. We are the content. So uh, I was proud to be a part of a 7,000 plus listen episode when it was just you and just you and I and, and CB. We'll have to see if CB, I don't even know if he was on that episode. Oh, Craig. Mm. Oh, Craig. Uh, oh, come on. Surely uh, he, that, if we covered that many releases, he, he had to be sure. in full mahogany table mode or something. Yeah, well, well I'll yeah. have to go back and see if the record shows that. Uh, even like our last episode, last episode was uh, two weeks so it's not even a full life yet. Uh, it's 53, 5,400 listens. Oh, okay. So wow. generally we'll average anywhere mm. from 5,000, 6,000 listens per episode here at the a Pinball lot, Show. A lot bigger so than, not, than, not than Eclectic Gamers. So. Yeah, not bad. Well, I mean, come on. We are the most popular and most listened to pinball podcasts on the planet. So the numbers don't lie. That's true. I only report the facts. Speaking of facts, you said that Craig Bobby is with us again. I don't know if he's speaking facts or opinion. Let's see with what he's huh. feeling here in the pinball news world. Hello and welcome back to the pinball show's top stories. I'm Craig Bobby. Well, what a two weeks it's been in the news with what should have been headline news with the new pinball release from Spooky Pinball instead seemed to be overshadowed by pinball award show drama as the People's Choice Award Show, the Twippies were modified with the removal and then subsequent awkward reinstatement of the Content Creators Awards only 
only to be followed by the unfortunate cancelling of their popular live presentation show at the Texas Pinball Festival. Then right after we had all taken an Adderall, smoked a joint, had a stiff drink, and were just getting our collective shit together again, Hell yes. the other titan of the Pinball Awards in the Pinball Awards also dropped a bombshell of their own on the community, announcing they were outright cancelling their awards for the 2023 season for various personal and professional reasons. Oh, there's never a dull moment in our friendly, humble, and well-meaning pinball community, so let's do ourselves a favor for this segment and not put our collective heads onto the train tracks with said train barreling toward us, but definitely step aside this pit of despair and disappointment where there is sadly no winners and talk some happy pinball news. Spooky Pinball, the not-so-boutique pinball company, is back to their old two-themes-one-layout shenanigans with the exciting reveal of their Looney Tunes and Texas Chainsaw Massacre-themed pinball release. The two new trailers and reveal featurette that were both brilliantly edited by our own Zach Many showcased layout choices by Spooky that favored new mechs and a more traditional layout with tons of great shot paths and possible combos versus trying to push the limits on multiple level playfields or more risky, i.e. not fun, non-traditional layouts that have not been as critically applauded. This time, however, Spooky took the straight-down-the-middle approach, appealing to their horror-themed fanbase with the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and also a more family-friendly theme of Looney Tunes. But what amazes me is how Spooky has up their theme integration for both themes, doing the seemingly impossible with artwork, animations, and mechanics that give each theme and game its own perfect integration. As Spooky Luke and Bud rightly noted on their recent appearance on the Loser Kid pinball show, fans of either theme will feel very satisfied and feel like Spooky spent the most time on the theme the individual fans love the most. Not only are the trailers some of the best you'll see in the industry today, but I think Spooky may have two home runs on their hands with these new releases. But as I've said before, we shall have to wait and see. And in other exciting news, the rumors for Stern's next Keith Elwin release are growing louder by the day, with most predicting that Stern will still make a pre-Christmas announcement to try and wrangle some Christmas pinball dollars away from industry competitors like Spooky or Barrels of Fun with their more recent new game announcements. And like a beautiful phoenix from the flames, it appears that previously defunct and beloved Papa, the professional amateur pinball association that was responsible for Pinburg, Pittsburgh's Replay FX convention, and also the Pinball World Championships seems to be making their improbable comeback according to their Papa YouTube channel, where earlier this week they posted a brief trailer stating that it's, quote, coming in 2024, and stay tuned, unquote. Say what? Well, speaking of coming, with the holiday season here in the last segment of the year, I'd like to personally thank all of our faithful listeners for tuning in week in and week out to listen to myself and our great hosts, Zach and Dennis, go over the latest news, rumors, trends, and events in the pinball industry today. I hope you and your families have a safe and happy holidays, and I look forward to chatting with you all in 2024. For the Pinball Show, I'm Craig Bobby. Catch you on the flip side. Well, thanks, Craig, for that awesome coverage. And also thank you, Craig, for not doing 12 paragraphs on awards. 
And Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Happy yes. Holidays, Craig Bobby. Holiday time. I think Craig Bobby's riding a horse right now. I bet he likes eggnog. He does look like a... I wonder if they maple flavor it up there. Well, it's a thing naturally, just it's in the water, so it's probably... Is there water in eggnog? It's probably in the milk. It's probably in the nog. Thanks again, Craig Bobby. Stern Pinball in the news. Not a lot of Stern Pinball production updates, listener, as we, as you remember, the last two full weeks of Stern of Stern Pinball, they're not really in big production mode. Now, I do think there's people are still working. They still may be even shipping games, uh, but when it comes to production line stuff, I... I think they're doing inventory, getting the joint back together for the big year uh, starting 2024. Typically, they would do this the first two weeks of January. In the new factory here, they're they're doing the last two weeks of December, which Dennis and I talked about before. It kind of makes more sense. Since then, we've had Stranger Things premiums shipping. Everybody rumored... Oh, they weren't going to come out till January. Here at the Pinball Show, we let you know that, no, uh, our sources are telling us, uh, direct from Stern, that they are still coming this year and coming they have been. We, as a distributor at Flipping Out Pinball, have received the majority and actually will receive the entirety of our December production allotment here early next week. So the majority have already been shipped out, uh, but the remainder for us will come on Monday, I believe, Monday or Tuesday. So those are going out. So you may see some games still trickling out of Stern Pinball this this next week. But besides that, no real big updates. We know that in January, we're still going to get small little runs of James Bond Premium, Godzilla Premium, and Stranger Things Premium, potentially. And uh, I, people have been rumoring, somebody rumored that, uh, that we were going to see the next Cornerstone teased a couple days ago, that didn't happen. Because it's not happening this year. I still think. Stern. Uh, <clears throat> I saw some of the, one of the person who emailed in asked for this. I think it was an email. Um, Stern, Dennis here. Oh, no. People do love this. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, it's a bit now. So those of you who yeah, hate it, feel free to complain on Pinside like you always do. And then like they get more do. popular. The- <laughs> <laughs> Stern, listen. It's Dennis here. Stay strong. <laughs> This is that one. This is your Christmas present to me. Do not reveal in 2023. Oh, oh, you're rhyming in your Dennis here's now. <laughs> look, I work with the tools that I have. It's beginning to look a lot like chum water. Isn't that what they do? They throw the chum in the water. I hope it's actually like piranha Bonum. instead. <laughs> the hit camp EP movie piranha. Didn't they have Tara Reed in it? Or no, that I was can't. the old one. I'm talking about the Piranha was like uh, James Cameron's first, or no, he was Piranha 2? I don't know. I don't, I don't recall. I don't I, recall. I don't recall either. Be on the lookout for the next Cornerstone. The things that I'm hearing is that uh, it's going to make you think twice about any type of market recession or market going down or anything like that. Yeah, but if it's Elwin, that's, I mean, everyone's expecting it to do well, even if it was an original theme. He's the phoenix that flies over the market clouds. He just, he is. But instead of calling out like a majestic eagle, he calls out like this. <laughs> Keith and I are like that, you know. We got Did you like my the, the listeners DNA. won't the listeners won't get this, but someone had asked a question. They were yeah, I wanted to know if you liked my joke on where they they'd open up a the thing they had a translate that they said was supposed to have been signed by Elwin, and they opened it. They hadn't opened it in years. They opened it; it was unsigned. And I said, "Because he's not the goat; he's the ghost." <laughs> that was in our Discord. <laughs> 
I thought it was sort of clever. I, I, I think, think I only got one upvote. No, they they tipped their hat to you, I think. Yeah, one upvote. Oh, okay, well. And everyone else was like, no, he's the ghost. Uh, thank you in advance, Keith Ellen, for what you're about to bring to the world. Pinball accessories, we have seen Godzilla Topper shipping, thankfully. So those are those are going out. Still going fast. Man, I, I'd hate to see how many Godzilla Topper Stern Pinball has made. Even James Bond Toppers, I think, going out. Black Knight Toppers were going out. Also in January. January is when they believe that Stranger Things accessories are going to be built. So hang tight on those. Spooky Pinball in the news, big time. They revealed yep. two games. Now, this is uh, you and Tony discussed this on EGP as well as a lot of content creators. Uh, this has been almost two weeks since we have spoken. So, mm-hmm. uh, the reveal of Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Looney Tunes from Spooky Pinball. We got teasers. We got the, then we got trailers. Then we got pictures. Then some feature rats. Then a uh, TCM gameplay video. So all the information is out there. Orders have been open. They've been taking orders. They were making 888 of each of these titles. Uh, the combined total being 1776 total units that they're creating of these two games, but 888 uh, each. Now that's not 888 of the collector's edition. It is merely uh, we're just going to build whatever you guys order of the 888. So they could all be collectors, or they could all be bloodsucker or or standard or whatever they may be. So you'd seen these uh, these releases, Dennis. What were your first reactions, just in general, to how they launched it? and the product that they were putting out there. I thought the launch was pretty good. Spooky usually does a decent job on the launches. I I usually put them a little behind JJP in terms of the Absolutely, overall yeah. launch package, but they they do a good job, uh, you know, in terms of like the teasers and stuff. I thought that they were very smart with the layout decision this time. I think one of the things and you know so, uh, and some longtime spooky buyers might actually feel differently, but I feel that when you look at it, it looks a lot more, I'll use the word traditional. Okay. And so because of that, I think a lot of people think that when they look at it, they're not going to instinctively start looking at these weird, you know, like let's have three play fields and stuff and and then start. And then your mind immediately starts going, well, okay, well, how's that interaction going to be? How How is that going to affect gameplay? Three left scoops and a right, right scoop. Right, right, yeah. right. And so you look at this and it looks far more traditional. And because of that, I think people look and they go, oh, okay, this looks like it will probably play okay. Yeah, traditional without being stale. Yeah, I mean it's not it's not like a it's not a fan layout. It's they've got nope. you know we've got a four flipper configuration and it's it's doing some stuff. So it's not a cookie cutter, but when mm-hmm. you look at it, it doesn't feel like everyone just came up with every weird idea ever and then glued it all into one game. So your which first I think reaction was looking some at of their stuff layout. has felt like yeah. Mm-hmm. So I thought no, the, my reaction to the playfield looked really good. Um, another thing I think will solve a lot of the initial concerns stemming from the Halloween Ultraman was the decision to do two different design teams. So mm. even though the layout is identical, you're going to have two different groups working on rule sets. Now That's they're huge. going with two different rules. I know based off of feedback I've read online that a lot of people have been frustrated because patching and stuff has been slow with Halloween and Ultraman because it's mm-hmm. one team doing both games. Mm-hmm. And so that will alleviate that. Sure. So that solves the problem they last face. The question that this will then run into, I think, but this is a longer term thing is 
one of these two games is going to be seen as better. Mm. One of these two games is going to have a better rule set because they're going in two different directions. Mm-hmm. And does that have an impact long term? Maybe, especially if they don't all immediately sell out. It might impact which one gets to 888. That's true. And it obviously could have a secondhand impact, which they probably aren't particularly concerned with, but buyers maybe. So mm-hmm. But I think it was still the speed thing needed to be addressed, and so they've they've taken a method that will address that. So I thought that was smart. I do like that. Uh, yeah, good points. Good points. So all those are the main things that kind of jumped out at me. Also, the pricing's weird. Uh, weird to me. Like they <laughs> yeah. they really raised the price on the standard quite a bit. They slightly raised the price on the bloodsuckers. This is all in comparison to Scooby Doo, mm-hmm. and they dropped the price on the collectors. Yeah, they were big about. Uh, we had the. We had the pleasure going up there and filming for the trailers and uh, for the featurettes at Straight Down the Middle. But that was one of the things they were emphasizing. Really wanted to emphasize adding more to their CE objectively too. Like you can just, you can look at their other CEs. They added a lot more to these things. Even like the new magnetic art, stuff they didn't even need to, but they still added it all. So that was cool. Uh, But they wanted to add a lot more and they wanted to show like they're reducing the price in this market. Um, that was a big thing that they were emphasizing in the featurettes, um, which I, pl- I applaud them for, uh, actually, because even I think coming out and saying we're not changing the price would have been viewed positively uh, by the consumer base. So saying we're actually going to reduce the price, even if it's you know only $100, whatever it is, it's, it's still a nice little nod uh, to the consumer base. I think it was really smart. Uh, to do so kudos to them for that but i think it also tell like you were saying they raise the price of the other ones i honestly feel like and they didn't tell me this but uh, you know i feel like they just they just want to make one model like they're good offering it but they're like guys can we not like it's easier for us to plan if we can just do all collectors I wonder if it's a a direction or if the direction maybe is the the hope to I'm I'm a little surprised they don't just go to two models. And I think it was Slam Telt podcast I was listening to with Ron Hallett in particular, I believe, who kind of called out it seems like they really don't want you to choose the standard. Mm-hmm. Like there's significant differences if you go above the standard into the bloodsuckers or the collector's edition. And the standard is where they went ahead and spiked the price the most. Mm. Well, the bloodsuckers only went up a couple hundred, I think, but standard went up several. And I, I would, I look at that and I, I look and think, I bet you the standard sells the least. And I feel this isn't the first time we've said that when we've seen spooky. So I'm wondering why they still are doing three models, especially when we've seen barrels of fun have quite a bit of success just doing one and then selling some additional things as accessories, Mm. which spooky also does. I mean, they do have separate accessories you can buy. So I, I think that I don't know necessarily if they want to jump. Well, clearly they don't want to right away jump because they haven't into one model, but I'm thinking maybe they need to pull a JJP and go to two because they don't seem to have the heart to do three, but they still continue to do it for some reason. Yeah. Yeah. Almost some, if they get a bigger differentiation in price between just two models, it may make more sense. Um, But then they're going to run into, well, I bought a standard and it doesn't come with it. Is there any way I can buy this one? Then you're dealing with accessories and parts orders. And uh, yeah, I do. I, I get that as well. I don't know what the answer. I don't know what the answer is there 
Uh, but you can, it feels like they're even like pulling punches on the art package on mm. the regular one. Like mm. Scooby-Doo is okay just because the mystery machine is iconic. But then you see like Texas Chainsaw Massacre side and your two hands and it's just like, what is that? <laughs> and then the Looney Tunes one, it was just bricks and then a logo. That one's okay. But mm. it's almost like we're going to offer you some of the best art that we've ever seen in the industry or just really nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh, I do also want to say I thought it was very smart of them to go ahead and lower the total build quantity from Scooby. Yeah, I did too. Now, some may argue that with these themes and, and titles, uh, especially with Texas Chainsaw Massacre, very niche uh, choice in, in making a you know a, a consumable product. There, not consumable product. You're not eating these things. Uh, a consumer based product, maybe even lower on something like that. I I was surprised they did a 50-50 split on the total counts. Okay. Uh, I would have thought, had they done a market analysis, which it felt like maybe they had done with Halloween, mm-hmm. where it's like, okay, Ultraman's niche, it shouldn't, we are not 50-50 the total build. We're going to do most of the build this Halloween. And I, I would have thought if they had done any sort of examination, it would have told them, we need to do most of this build as Looney Tunes, not Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but they, they are, it's 50-50. And I... Uh- I have no idea why, but I mean, it is what it is, but it would not, it wouldn't have been my recommendation. I think there's probably a couple of reasons why, uh, we won't get into all of them, but, uh, if I dabbled into the brains of a spooky pinball company, I would say some of it, whether or not they want to try to control their own subconscious thoughts, some of it, they're so close to the horror titles that they're going to maybe overestimate other people's enjoyment of those types of themes. Having said that though, because I would have thought Looney Tunes is going to appeal to more people anyway. I can say that uh, when we were up there filming, they kind of got the feeling that they would be even. And to their credit, I was listening to them on the loser kid pinball podcast. They spoke about sales and how sales actually were 50-50 at this point. Now, that's sales through them, I think they were referring to. Their direct order uh, or direct sales from them. Because I can pretty confidently say that the dealers may have different ordering behavior. Uh, but maybe they were referring to the orders they'd received from dealers as well. I just thought maybe they were doing direct sales comparisons, saying they're neck and neck for for it. The other part of me is thinking, Dennis, like when you look at these games, they're there and they talked about on the loser kid podcast, go listen to that. But they talked about, uh, them building them in unison, kind of at the same time building, designing them. So where it may look like they designed Texas Chainsaw Massacre and then just like, eh, we'll retheme it around Looney Tunes. They even talked about that in the featurette. That wasn't really the case. It really wasn't. They simultaneously knew going into this design that both of these games and themes were going to be utilized for these games. So, and I do believe them on that, uh, especially just off the record discussing things with them. Um, that did seem like the case. However, the guys up there can't tell me that they didn't they didn't favor some of the uh, some of the mechanisms and toys in a TCM and adjusted them the best of their ability on certain things uh, to the Looney Tunes, mostly with that meat grinder 
Uh, that's a predominant mm. toy in TCM where it's the Marvin's rocket on Looney Tunes. Doesn't make as much sense. I like, you know, anvil loading. I get it. Not doesn't make as much sense. They kind of lucked out of a main theme of needing a main object spinning center play field with uh, the most iconic of Texas Chainsaw Massacre moments in that film with uh, at the end Leatherface kind of twirling and dancing with that chainsaw up in the air. That is perfection in theme integration on how they did it on the game. Whereas what are we doing spinning wise on Looney Tunes? Uh, the most spinning object in, uh, in cartoon history, Tasmanian devil. That makes sure. sense too. So that makes yeah. sense. And then I do like to the right, to the right, they made two different toys entirely. So maybe I am wrong saying they look like they favor TCM because those are two different toys. You got a person in a freezer jumping out, which is perfect theme integration, uh, which is contrastly different to the uh, to Wiley e. Coyote's TNT plunger going up and down. I would guess probably maybe the same mechanism being used, but being utilized totally in different ways. And it doesn't look like a skin of one another. It looks like two totally different toys, interactive toys at that. I mean, it's, I, th- I thought they tied it fairly well. I, I really struggle to see Looney Tunes being the basis of most of the toy platforms. Uh, though, as you noted, there was, there was at least one change up, but I mean, I, I can't help but notice the, the slow turn of, the chainsaw killer and then i see the tasmanian turtle instead of the tasmanian <laughs> devil that's a tazzy turtle because i think at the very least it needed a faster motor i just i'm just saying it doesn't come across like code. it comes across like yeah we came up with a slow uh, turning killer thing and now okay well let's just repurpose it and not even make it faster i wonder if they could i wonder if that motor is capable of going I, I don't i don't know that's why i would have thought yeah, I mean, you could probably overdrive it to some degree. Uh, I don't know what it's spec rating well, is for, but, you know, some but people, I mean, I'm just saying, uh, you know, people, when they think about Tasmanian devil, it's not him slowly turning, it's him going, <laughs> and they have, there are motors that do that, but it would probably be a different motor than the one they bought for Texas. So it'd be like a drone motor. <laughs> I, I have heard some people say that Taz should have had the base of him should have showed no legs and it should have just been a tornado or a whirlwind Mm. type of thing. And him staying stable above that, almost a floating dress, if you will, uh, as a tornado whirlwind under him. And I'm okay with that idea. Even mod makers out there may look into that idea. However, if you think about a conical shape and it's spinning, I don't know if you're going to get much uh, visual interest there. Because it, like a conical shape spinning will just look like it's in, impl- you know what I mean? Like it, yeah, no, I, I, I get where they're coming unless from. Unless you lopside I, it, maybe. It's, I, it's, I think the mod people need to try and figure out if there's a way you can kind of hook him up to the base of a red trimmer and get no, him whipping around. No, poor, yeah. poor Taz. He wants to keep his appendages. <laughs> and what I, I will, uh, you know what? The kind of the, the blow though, the blow is the meat hooks in the back. That that's tech. I forgot about that's Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, yeah. When you've got balls yeah. physically loaded onto hooks, yes, uh, that screams TCM. And what, what is it on on Looney? Is it like a cliff? It's a is cliff. Yeah, the Wiley yeah. Coyote cliff. Yeah, that uh, was the first thing actually. Besides the Taz uh, chainsaw spin, that caught my eyes. Like, oh no, this was this is a Texas toy. And mm-hmm. then the cliffs, like again, it, they picked a good iconic thing, but it's just sure. Eh, okay, 
Sure. I played Earthshaker, whatever. Yeah. I do like that this game has, as we're just kind of uh, listener, just generally discussing different features uh, in this game or in these games. I do really love that there are a lot of interactive toys, but what stands out to me is the design and layout of this game. It almost feels as if the designers over at Spooky Pinball, i.e. Bug and, uh, and Spooky Luke, it feels as if not only are they trying to listen to what people want, they're really leaning into, it's not like an insecurity, it's just like a, the community really spoke to what they did not like in Halloween. When you have Joel Engelberth speaking publicly about that, like, okay, so they noted that. They come to Scooby-Doo probably already in its full design, if not pretty close, wide body, which is going to make it feel different than a, than a standard body. Somebody said the other day, narrow body. I, I hate that term. <laughs> Can we, why would we ever call anything narrow body? That makes no, no, it's a You know, someone body. could design a narrow body they and could, probably but, play like crap. But. Uh, so, uh, so, back, so Scooby-Doo was going to be what it is. So it almost felt like they were like, you know what, damn it. We are going to stay in this room until we design a game that they can no longer say the only design elements coming out of spooky pinball are Scott Denisi. Like we're, I don't care if we have no toys on this thing. I don't give a shit. We are not leaving until, and they did just that this thing. When you have four flippers that it can hit four different ramps orbits and eight uh, figure eight shots that go into scoops that kick it around an orbit. It's pretty masterful. And I think that people are now saying, Okay, like they don't want to concede and say, you know, uh, I was wrong. But I think people are like, let's see how this plays because they may have proving us, proven us wrong moving forward. We may not have to worry as much as we have in past releases about, uh, about the layout or how these things are going to shoot. You've been harsh on their layouts in the past. Would you agree with that assessment? Or do you still think it was eh, not a focus? They're kind of lucky here. I I don't know if they went so far, Zach, as to actually need to lock themselves in a room per se, because being theatric. Well, I I understand the hyperbole. I'm just I'm just like saying Oppenheimer. that there are a lot <laughs> of kind of there's a lot of kind of trusted layouts that they could look at, and that's kind of my my vibe. You know, I think they looked and and took some ideas of layouts. This is my guess that they looked at layouts that have done very well. Mm-hmm. And then said, okay, well, we don't want to make a carbon copy, right? We don't want to go and just reuse the Godzilla layout. So what do we see that people really have liked? And let's see how we can kind of incorporate that and put a spin on it. Maybe they started with uh, a handful of toy ideas that they wanted to do, like the meat hook lock and stuff. Mm -hmm. And then said, okay, what sort of layout structures can we do that accommodate that without getting really crazy? Or what I actually think they, they did is they they came in and they said, we have one rule, no upper play fields. Oh, okay. Because I think that's what's screwing them up is they, they they have really like since America's Most Haunted, it feels like they've constantly just tried to have upper play field one or more and they almost always suck hmm. because upper play fields suck. Yeah, people it's are si- starting it's science. to, they're it's starting science. to agree with that now. It's science. Well, and this is where... You know, and you you see this up for years, and still, I'm sure it's still there, like on Pinside and stuff, where people have these discussions and debates and these frustrations about like, 
you know, there's always this stuff about the toys. Oh, I want the toy. I want the toys from the nineties. A lot of the toys from the nineties were, were really bad. Yeah. Just like coil based or yeah. Like, just not well, open. I mean like they hurt gameplay, like mm-hmm. play Maverick and the cool <laughs> riverboat steam paddle ball I was about to lock, say the same thing. Which the looks thing. cool the first time. Same with fishtails. Looks cool the first time. And then you're sitting there, you know, pouring yourself a pint, <laughs> waiting for it to ball lock. I mean, that's the thing that's different. It's not like how it used to be where you needed the toys to catch people's eye to get their what few quarters they might put in. And then you'll never see that person again. And it's fine because it's a revolving door at the arcade. Great point. These are in homes now. That's why layout has to take priority. That's why to. magnets matter so much. Manufacturers, put them in your games. Sorry. So, I love magnets. So so that's where you you end up with this sort of... And it's not just like you know competitive people that are like turn off all the physical ball locks. Not just that. It's just you, that's a big factor. Things need to feel like you're playing a game. It can't just be spectacle. And so the problem I think that they've, they've run into with a lot of their upper play fields is they try and make them very, you know, thematic interesting visually and all of that and then when you get the ball on them it's kind of like uh all right once the novelty wears off is it really fun to shoot Mm. and i don't know yet and i have not seen i've seen a lot of the stuff regarding these two games i've not watched the gameplay yet so of tcm so i don't know yet and of course i would want my own experience to to identify whether i think this actually plays well which their games have been arranged they've not all been like bad players Mm -hmm. but they've had several which would have sunk startups today if they had had like them in sequence, but they've usually had this sort of like, I feel people kind of felt America's most haunted shot. Okay. That was also during that hype era where when games would sell out, everyone's still, I call it the big bang bar effect where everyone was still kind of like, let's get in and and make a whole bunch of money by like buying games on speculation as investments. Yeah. Yeah. That's what the whole Zidware model was, was uh, people weren't really wanting to play J pop. There were some, I know I'm being, I'm being hyper hyperbolic now but that's why rob zombie sold that right away it's because like oh wow well spooky only made 150 america's most haunted we gotta get in on rob zombie and rob zombie wasn't a very good player mm-hmm. you know alice cooper seen as a pretty decent player uh tna of course but that was a totally scott denisi developed thing yep. and then you know you 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 just kind of had this back and forth like jetsons wasn't good okay contract game and then you bounce over to which i never played jetsons so i don't actually no i did play i played it once i haven't played dominoes and, you know, it's kind of like, like they've been hit or miss on the layouts. Mm-hmm. So it's so like Scooby-Doo layout. Uh, it's, I think it's okay. Yeah. People it's like just, a layout. But compared to Halloween, it's awesome. So, cause yes. Halloween's layout was awful. Mm-hmm. Greg Bone is the only person in the entire world who likes it. He, I, I, I like my Halloween too, but the Greg layout Bone is not is the what only I, person in the, the entire world. What I would say is good. No, the Greg, he's the only one. He will even fight spook, for that even layout. Spooky yeah, I know, I doesn't know. like it. Even Spooky's like, Greg, you sure? <laughs> All, right. All right. The hyperbole is going a little far. But my, my point being, I think that I do agree with you. Long story short, I think they were like, you know what? People might criticize us for all sorts of things with the mix and stuff breaking, and we're we're going to struggle with that for whatever reason. The th- one thing we definitely can fix is we can take the layout out of the equation. There are plenty of examples of good shots that we can piece uh, together into our own thing and it not be uh, – and, and maybe they go in saying we know our layout's not ever going to win an award but because there are no more awards, but if there were – they could be like, okay, it's not going to be an award-winning layout, but you know what? It will be competent. And they're going to win a Facebook poll. <laughs> Sorry. The, 
I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to push back on this one. No, you don't have to. Ah, you can be like Dennis. You know what? Not a full blown wow. show. But a pushback. Wow. We might get eight thousand listens, Dennis, just, with that with that sort of logic. It feels like what you're doing is uh, you're still not you're still not giving my boys any proper credit. You're saying, look. They can they can sample a bunch of games and figure out how to make something that doesn't shoot like a complete. This DJ clunker. Spooky, but, just like DJ Spooky but, Remix. Come on! But the pro- <laughs> but the but the problem <laughs> here is that I think that this layout. I think the way it goes against your argument, Dennis, is that this layout is not looking like it's sampled from other things. This layout is not standard in any means. Now. When you compare what they, they took risks here. They really took some risks and they've done something layout wise that frankly uh, may not have been done anywhere else. And I will say, let's compare Steve Ritchie. Steve Ritchie came, went and made an Elton John. Do you feel like uh, there was any risks taken there versus this, this design team? I think yeah, it's the a, theme a was incredibly difference. risky. A vast difference in design and layout between those two games. So seeing a four flipper game that has four ramps that flows and and lends the ball feeding to different places as it does, figure eight to a scoop that out kicks it around. An, I, I think just saying that they've finally learned how to look at other games, I don't think it's given them the proper due. Now, I, mm. I will say that I have played this game uh, and I've not played it enough to know that it is the Elwin-esque that those wonderfully done trailers and featurettes made it appear. So I don't, I don't know. I really don't. I still go back to Stern games feel like that because they have found some, some amigulation of material. I still think it's like a materials thing that make it feel the way it does. I'm still not convinced nowadays that my brain would prefer taking a stern layout and applying all Bally Williams parts to it and exchanging all of those. Something tells me I would still prefer the feel of that stern for whatever reason. And I think that whatever reason is materials. I don't know why I keep preaching this for years, but there's something there. So I will say that it still may not feel as good as a stern, but this is easily their best layout. And Hmm, this is strong. I would say this is, oof, it's so apples and oranges. I want to say that this does more layout, work, design. It feels better than TNA because that's heralded as kind of their best best game in general. Um, but TNA's layout, I mean, it's an, it's an orbit and stand-up targets. I don't know what to put. They're so different. Um, but I give them a lot of credit here on the layout. Because it's it is a lot of fun to shoot. As we're talking about other things, then it's art. They're both pretty. They they get they got the artist thing down right. They they know the importance of bringing hand illustrated art to their products. Unlike maybe some other uh, manufacturers still struggling with that concept. Yeah. Then bringing over Brad Duke from Deep Root, I think it was a great idea. Looting Tunes looks spectacular. It is hard not to look at that game and think, "Whoa, that's pretty." The questionable use of powder-coated ramps is on a lot of people's minds. Do we well, really they've done need... that before, though, right? D- yeah, Didn't they, they do that on Scooby? They have, yeah. But they're just more, they feel more hidden because of the upper playfield. 
but it's like, do we do we need orange ramps? Do we need? I mean, blood. I don't really ramps? like the Looney Tunes color scheme, but it it goes with it goes with Looney Tunes. I just you know, it sure it's does. fine. I just I I hope manufacturers don't underestimate the beauty of if you're using stainless steel, like a, a polished stainless steel wire form. There's something really beautiful and elegant about that. Even maybe ramps. they should use titanium, like the new iPhone. It has titanium, you know, that metal that's not precious. Uh, the the themes, I think Texas Chainsaw is a little niche. I think that Looney Tunes, I, I still don't think Looney Tunes is as big as Scooby-Doo. No, In the grand scheme of things, it's probably bigger historically. But when it comes to, uh, when it comes to relevancy and product integration in 2024, yeah, I still think it's not as strong as Scooby-Doo. Uh, but it's yeah. up there. It's it's no, good. It's a good theme. Nobody's it's arguing that theme. It's just it's it's mostly vignettes. So I think that's kind of where it gets it gets at. Whereas while you could argue each episode of Scooby Doo is standalone, it's I feel like there's more of a structured plot to it. Mm-hmm. And Looney Tunes was mostly about just silly characters doing silly things with some very loose rubric kind of draped over them. But that's more than Hot Wheels had going for it. So well, but that goes without saying. Well, yeah, but again, that my, my whole thing with Hot Wheels was where I think American Pinball was like, but look, guys, we we used, a, we used a licensed theme. Why don't you guys love us? And of course, a lot of what happened was the pandemic really screwed up the Hot Wheels launch. Mm, but yeah. I think the problem was there was no plot to Hot Wheels. Now, they can point and say, well, there's this whole well, YouTube show. Their but, launch was a... But no one over the age too, of eight but... had seen it. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Anyway, that's fine. but that's another manufacturer and thus another story. And then we talked about the rules and code, how they have separate, uh, they have separate coding teams. Now that yes. is, uh, the Texas chainsaw massacre is being, is being, uh, led kind of by Ben Heckendorn or Ben Heck, uh, which he's, he's back to help with this. I think that that's really neat. I, I know that working with him up there, they said that Ben Heck has dedicated so much time to this that right now I would bet. TCM is more, much more fleshed out than Looney Tunes. Um, and it did kind of feel like that as we were recording up there. Uh, and then you've got Looney Tunes that is being kind of led by Eric Pripke, which we know people love him from uh, Rick and Morty. Now, his time probably also diverted a little bit uh, because he's also doing code and rules for Labyrinth uh, with Barrels of Fun. So, Hello. <laughs> Hello. So you've got that. So... I, I think, hot damn, we've got two good coding teams with, with names that we like to hear. So I'm not worried about that. Time it takes to get it all fleshed out, sure. They did say it's the progress is more than Scooby at release. So, okay, I'm good with that. And Spooky does a good job of, like Stern, over time updating these games uh, to craft them into something very special. They are dedicated to that. That's, that's really neat as well animation display uh, it's hard to hard to say i wasn't there long enough to kind of see and we cer- certainly couldn't display it on the featurettes or the t- or the trailers Woo, War- warner brothers whoa guys <laughs> they, they are uh they love their ip so a lot of people i don't know if people know this or not but they should the rights that you get to use in a game the licensed rights so you can use my i can show all these looney tunes we bought the rights for this game and we can show them in the game and we can play the call outs and we can do all this those are different rights than uh, promotional rights or marketing rights yeah they're limited 
So uh, you're limited with what you can use for, for the, for that kind of stuff. So when we were, when I was editing up this trailer and, and producing the trailer, there were a lot of limitations, uh, not only from Warner brothers, but basically you don't want to go spending that much money on just a trailer or you're going to have people floating around. <laughs> like, uh, why spend that amount of money just to produce a trailer? So you didn't get the call outs and the official trailer uh, from, from the voice actor that does all the Looney Tunes stuff. You didn't, you got some of the animation cuts from Looney Tunes, but you didn't get, uh, didn't get all of them. Uh, you didn't get all the sound effects. You didn't, there was, there's a lot of restrictions there. Even, even the music. Spooky Pinball, I guess, wasn't going to pay additional just to use that Looney Tunes. So last minute, I had to uh, I had to swap that one. And boy, I tell you, uh, you get a you get a trailer done, you submit it to Warner Brothers, and then they come back and say, "Well, you don't have the you didn't secure the rights to this, so you need to change the the music." Now, in the trailer world, you're cutting every single one of those scenes. You're doing beats per minute, and you're doing it based. Those cuts are based on the music because that's what you have to. So yeah, cutting that within twenty, recutting that within twenty four hours, is nothing short of a nightmare. But people seem to like it, so it's it's fine. Sales wise, for me, Dennis, do you think it's more fifty fifty for flipping out pinball or sales from Texas Chainsaw Massacre compared to Looney Tunes? I do not. I okay. think you're selling Looney Tunes better. Okay. Any ratio of how much better? Two to one. Fucking nailed it, man. That's what we're about. We're about two to one when it comes to Looney Tunes versus Texas Chainsaw Massacre sales and pretty much sustainable throughout launch day all the way up until now. We're still getting sales for this game and they come in, they come in more closer to even now, but they're still, you know, totals wise, two to one Looney Tunes to Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So pretty significantly different uh, there. Sales overall have been. I would say good. I was a little bit hesitant on how well the game would do, given the market right now, given the the worries of a Jaws Elwin coming out, um, given the Texas Chainsaw Massacre theme, Looney Tunes, you know. Uh, so they're kind of along the lines of what I thought they would be, which I think is a success and certainly a success for Spooky Pinball. Um, I think they sell hundreds upon hundreds of these games, and I think that you Definitely need to keep your eye on Spooky Pinball in the future. Remember me saying that. Did you watch the feature, Dennis? Yes, I oh, did. Oh, thank you. Also, go to the Loser Kid Pinball podcast. In addition to the wonderful information in the featurettes, there was additional interviews by Loser Kid with Spooky Luke and Bug. And I thought very interesting stuff about licensing, if you guys listen to that, and talking about pre-orders and why do we take pre-orders and deposit? Why do we do this? What Some really good discussion there. Maybe I'm just so close to it as a, as a content creator and as a dealer, but... Some some really good stuff there if you pay attention to what is being said over there because they are they're an open book. Sometimes so I gotta tell my friends to spook them. I'm like, yeah, eh, don't need to, you know, maybe don't tell them. Eh, maybe, you know, keep that close. Jersey Jack Pinball. Do you know that Elton John got 1.0 code? Boom. Whoa. Done. Yeah. When is pirates? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Joel with uh, flipping out pinball he did a stream last week of elton john with the lead programmer bill grupp 
That was neat. You could definitely get to go watch that. And I wanted to update everybody with Barrels of Fun. Mm. Barrels of Fun had some production updates. Everybody's wondering if Labyrinths, they're still kind of trickling out. They do have uh, a little bit of an emphasis to get these into operators and arcades around the country so that people can play them. But That's why a- I couldn't have one of the first ones. <sighs> <laughs> More like Barrels of Stern. Maybe you get the one of the first hundred? <laughs> I don't care. I can't have number one. (laughs) But uh, they did give an update. They said, quote, we are confident that invoices 562 through 702 will ship between December 1st and the end of February. Confidence there. Okay. So they are gearing up, I think, for a big January, February uh, builds. I think that they gave that information out, listener, because they are now confident that the games they are getting off the line are in a speed and a quality uh, that they are now very confident and happy with. So congratulations, Barrels of Fun. Now, as to what this means, a lot of people are like, 562 to 702, wait a minute. That means that that means that those games are shipped? There's not been 500 shipped? Okay, let me clear up this. This does not mean that 500 have shipped thus far. No, no, no. We don't know what invoice number they started with. Uh, and also, these individual invoices, this is the part that listeners aren't going to like. Let's say I ordered a bajillion of them as a dealer. My order number could be 580. And those bajillion are just a part of 580. That makes sense. That makes sense, right? I think so. So, uh, five sixty-two to seven hundred two. Was that one hundred and forty? So you're saying those are invoices, not number of games that might be on a correct. Invoice. Okay. And I don't even know of of those hundred and forty invoices because if you think about it, one hundred and forty games in in two months for a new company, not not bad, not bad at all. Uh, but. I would say that uh, even, I don't even know if those invoices, what if those invoices, some of them are just a topper yeah, or a shooter rod. Like, so it doesn't really tell a whole lot, but what it does tell is that I, as a dealer, am now working this week, reaching out to people, letting them know if they fall within that first run. Uh, we do anticipate it flipping out pinball, the uh, big old bulk, Whew. flipping out a big old bulk of games from our orders will be going out towards the end of February. So you're going to see a lot of flipping out pinball labyrinths leaving the factory over at barrels in Houston at the end of February. So congratulations. Have you ever thought about like getting a company to do a flipping out edition, kind of like how Jersey Jack used to do when he was a big distro? Oh, you know what? I'm not going to lie to these people. I have, and I have talked to at least one manufacturer about the possibility of doing something like that. Can I have one guess as to which manufacturer it was? Sure. Was it American Pinball? It was not. Okay. Was not well, American Pinball. thanks for letting me play. That was yeah, fun. Right. Now, of the, the company that I uh, that I presented this to, they probably thought to themselves, hey, I think we might have done that before, and now that person has their own company. <laughs> <laughs> And then all of a sudden you see all these 30th anniversaries pop up, 40th anniversary. I'm like, they can, hey. when they do Godzilla 70th, they could do uh, Godzilla minus one. As, as a as a businessman, I think something like that is very smart to take maybe something like a, even my pitch may have been something like a Jurassic Park and make a, a limited edition run of a hundred of them or so. And me and a couple other dealers go in and buy a hundred, maybe. Maybe. 
But I think I think Stern knows what they're doing. What about Dutch Pinball? Do they know what they're doing? I I have no idea. <sighs> Dutch Pinball, don't fuck this up. If you have Back to the Future, like it's going to be such a long year. Ugh, the rumors are that Dutch Pinball has Back to the Future. You're not going to see them until the end of 2024 at the earliest, mm. if not into 2025. Mm. Um, I, I still, the more inside mm. I talk to people, there's just, when they inquired about it, it could be had, but with zero asset. I just, I'm terrified. Dutch Pinball, reach out to me. And still a little hope in this 88 mile per hour pacemaker of mine. (laughs) All of this pleases me greatly. I know it does. Mm, Finally, this theme can finally (laughs) be done. I'll just make one myself. Dutch Pinball, speaking of Dutch Pinball, Christopher Franchi posted something on social media and they quickly took it down. (laughs) Uh, Art. He had artwork that he had. Oh, I saw this. Commission. It looked good. It did for the big Lebowski. It was like an anniversary package. Uh, Very, very beautiful artwork. It was awesome. I I like the the translate a lot. uh, Yeah. The composition. With uh, Goodman and stuff. So Mm -hmm. they were contemplating coming out with the anniversary edition over at Dutch Pinball, the big Lebowski, but it was not approved by Universal Studios. So, uh, so womp womp. Yeah, so, but I, I just—it's news. I thought I'd bring it up because the art was awesome. It was really, really good. But then it told me, like, wait, do they still anticipate just continuing to make Big Lebowski for a long, 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 long time? I don't know. And and there's rumblings of Franchi working with them on Back to the Future. <sighs> Franchi, don't fuck this up for Great me. Great Scott. Well, if he doesn't have any assets, Franchi what's he going to do? This up for me. What's he, he going to do? Oh, can have really nice buildings and he's from such the town. a realism person oh no well they'll be realistic buildings oh city hall <laughs> we'll have realistic potatoes the next story i'm just gonna call papa <laughs> <laughs> question mark did you see this teaser that was is this a trolley t- i don't know what to make of this it was a, a little teaser that was teasing Bobble, like some kind of Jaws with a little floating mm-hmm. shark toy. But then it had the Papa logo, and then it said coming soon or 2024. And we all know for the Papa's like uh, the, the the tutorials, Pinberg, like uh, Papa's was everything years back. Yes. What the hell is It was. The hell? It, they were, I would say, credited as being the premier competitive pinball venues for for a number of years. In fact, when I got into pinball and started paying attention to competitive pinball, the way I always thought about it, which was was not accurate, but it was just sort of how my head wrapped around it, was IFPA oversaw small events. Papa did big events. Oh, That's how I thought of it. Okay. They were the big event space. Yeah. Well, they because they did of, Papa Final. In, in right, like right. The, they had the, because they had two big things in particular, like the Pinberg, of course, which mm-hmm. is what, what everyone most loved. But then they also, uh, for a long time, had their, their Papa event, not, not just this, like the circuit and stuff being separate, but like they had their, their Papa facility would host these competitive things and the, you know, there'd be the Papa bracket thing and how to you'd qualify things, like it. The Papa format was the, you know, where you had to do good on your entire ticket for the entry to count. You couldn't just go by game. You had to play all the games and they all added together and only that ticket score counted. So it was like, anyway, it was just, it was a, it's where all the top people used to go. Wasn't it the big to the, prove themselves. The attack from Mars alien on the trophy? Like that was the big, I remember yeah, that. I don't, I don't, I do not remember, but 
you know, I, I remember that they were having location issues, so they suspended doing the, the you know, like Papa Finals, the Papa event, mm-hmm. but they still had Pinberg, like Replay FX, which is the nonprofit that ran, runs still technically, they never went away. Uh, runs Papa, and then they had they had Pinberg, which was the. I mean, a lot of people would go do Pinberg. I wanted to go do Pinberg. I people never did. Still, like they're still mourning the loss. Of well, the yeah, because it was it's it was one of if not I don't know. I think it's safe to say it was the largest competitive event. But the other thing that I thought was very noteworthy about it is it was incredibly well run. Mm-hmm. You look at all the. I mean, we have some veteran tournament runners who I'm sure do a overall do a very good job, but. The one thing you see about all of this stuff all of the time is that they don't run on time. Everything runs long, mm-hmm. but Penberg actually seemed to be able to run on a schedule. Oh, man. I, and, do and you I, remember I, those big event weekends? Just wa- Oh, pe- just it was uh, people who were so excited. It was I, so, much, so much about Penberg was so smart because they would have all these like ABCD divisions. Mm-hmm. So after you did your initial qualifying stuff, you were actually grouped with people of your skill set, which yeah. is one of the biggest problem with almost every other tournament is you're most of the time stuck with. I mean, I can't I can't beat Bo and Karen's. Mm-hmm. I can't beat Keith Elwin like. I'm not a good player. I don't belong in A division. I don't belong in B division. Uh, I don't know where I belong, but not there. And and, and you so would, you that could was, play all that, weekend. Yeah, you would play all weekend, and then after like your first day, where yeah, you might get up again and put up against those top players. It sorts you out, mm-hmm. and then you're playing with people that are kind of on the same level as you, kind of like how golf or anything else oh, is yeah. supposed to be. And then they had the big stage at the for during the yes. finals, man. And so, you had the commentary and all the, they had so many different games. So you saw all sorts oh, of stuff, true, new yeah. stuff, old stuff, weird stuff, EM stuff. Uh, you, it was, and it was a mix. They always the like every clever. bracket, yeah. every bracket was a mix of games. So you had to prove yourself on the modern era. You couldn't just be a classics champ, but they always had a classics in there. So the whippersnappers coming in had to remember the rules of EM pinball. Yeah. It was so anyway, it was and how it how it went away was so lame. Yes. <laughs> I, just, I'm just I it was here's the the irony and I don't want to I don't want to whine about it because again I I had never gone so it didn't really directly impact me. But I remember looking. I remember, you know, seeing their 990s as a as a foundation and everything. That's a tax form for those that don't know. And it was so preventable. That was what was so frustrating. It was so preventable. I mean, here we are, you know, this week where you have this stuff, the changes with the Twippies, the changes with the pinball say, awards, we can and all, relate to some all of, of that. Right. And that thing will come up in a little while. But but with this, the thing was there was so much passion, but there was never the opportunity for anyone to apply it. Mm. So it was kind of like uh, the way it worked was replay was very reliant on one owner in particular who it was their games. And when they didn't want to be involved anymore, it just seemed like, and granted, the pandemic was going on, so it screwed up that year, and they they just kind of seemed to, this was the impression from the outside looking in, throw up their arms and just say, we don't know, liquidate everything, and we'll, we'll be a shell of ourselves. Yeah, but we'll keep the, we'll keep the replay mm-hmm. foundation because we could come back. Damn, I can almost relate to that. <laughs> yeah. So, 
here we are. This trailer drops. I don't what is if it's a if it's a teaser for like there's a little a rubber ducky shark thrown yeah, into water yeah. and uh, they're playing the Jaws theme. If this was a teaser for Bowen to do a tutorial on pool sharks, this was Ooh. a really this was a really bad idea because people are gonna you know how it is. I know you, but people are gonna pretty, be really angry. It's very trolly though with Jaws coming out. Like uh, it eh. is. But why so, would they make a teaser for that? I don't know. I it, again, because he's had other. I mean, they've still been turning. I think they do it on their channel. Yeah, he's yeah, had other videos come out since the they don't pandemic. Really tease those, uh, so. No, they don't. So it, it feels make, like something it else. Sense. I, and I'm so I'm hearing. So I would guess slash hope yeah. that it's either the Papa event or Penberg. The thing is, in either scenario, they don't. They don't own the games they used to own. So I sold them all. Ha- yeah, and that. This is not well. Prices have started to come down. This like, this is not. They would not have been able to buy them all back. Is my point. Sure. So, sure. so if they're doing anything, either a new event is being started up, reliant on one or more collectors to supply stuff, which is fine. There are events that do that, or maybe they're getting the branding on an existing event. Like mm. imagine going in and making a deal with Carl and saying Indisc is now Pinberg. Oh, okay. I see. I see. So I've floated all those in my, those are all the things I've mm. thought about, but mm. what are your thoughts, Zach? Uh, I think, uh, I think there's rumblings around that uh, would indicate that maybe it's not a trolley thing and maybe, uh, maybe there's good things to come. I'm not a competitive player. So what do, what does Zach know about competitive pinball? Uh, wink, wink. You'll have to wait and see. I guess it it'll have to stay a mystery. Castle. No, God, no. Do it. Okay, speaking of throwing your hands up, Dennis, Mm. uh, this last week or two, whoa, (sighs) for the award shows, what Mm. is going on? Total annihilation meltdowns abound. We had, uh, I would say, industry, not industry shifting, an industry spotlight on the award show that is or was the twippies all right i you know what i want to dive into the twippies i want to tell you my opinion dennis you're going to tell your opinion on the twippies how they handled everything what happened even some behind the scenes stuff that uh i am very sure that none of you guys are aware of as well as the pinball awards shutting the doors this year maybe not shutting it forever but no pinball awards for 2023? What is going on, Dennis? We're going to discuss all of that exclusively to our <laughs> TPS yes, content. wallet. <laughs> to our TPS subscribers. Patreon.com slash the pinball show. And if you think we're just casual observers, you've got another thing coming. Oh, surely they don't think they they do know we've we founded the pinball wars originally as the pinball industry. Award, you know, so. somebody was bitching and moaning about me thanking the, the the pinball awards committee for all of y'all's hard work. They're like, you're thanking yourself, you asshole. And I'm like, hmm. well, no, I wasn't part of the committee last year. No, I, or the I year was, before. I don't think no, only the first year I was helping. Pro- I was producing the show. But I wasn't doing the voting. I didn't even vote in it. I wasn't right, doing right. voting. I wasn't doing any of the collections. So 
I was merely thanking you guys for all of that hard work because you were the official committee. Right. There's that, a reason why Zach's name's not on the signed, you know, signed on the statement. Well, that would involve reading, Dennis. I just, yeah. Well, well, I, I do understand how because I mean, we did. I, I think it was pretty much you and me who who pieced it together initially. Sure. So, like, yeah, if, you, our, like going, if you're like thinking like child, quote yes. unquote ownership, then and then that's one thing. But sure. but Zach deliberately distanced himself from being on the committee because of. Well, yeah, so I wouldn't reasons. get the shit that I continue to get. Well, back. okay, that was the reason. So <laughs> it, didn't it, didn't, it didn't fit. It didn't end up fixing anything. Just like he didn't vote didn't in them, and it's still well, he's giving himself an award. Didn't matter. Hey, but you know what? They can't bitch about it this year, can they? Well, they can, and I'm sure they will. So, but, but only you can hear about it exclusively on the yes. Pinball Show's Patreon subscriber content. Bye, bye, bye. Now. At the $10 level or the $25 level and get all kinds of swag and different stuff and pick a topic for the show. And uh, even the $100 Screaming Goat level, those individuals get their own nickname that gets etched into the annals of pinball lore and media history. Do you think you can go anywhere and not be called Bobcat? (laughs) I don't think so. Go listen now. Subscribe, follow. We very much appreciate it. You're going to want to hear this one. You know what else they're going to want to hear? They are going to want to hear what our takes on this year's best of, since there's no award show, Dennis, they're going to want to hear our best of this year regarding all of the different games that came out. Well, what do you think the game of the year is? Don't say it now. That would really ruin the segment. Uh, what What about the best art? What, what about layout? Let's go through those, Dennis. What do you think? Okay. Uh, so what games are we confining ourselves to? So we're not going to, well, it's going to be low lift here. We're going to list out the games that we think make the most sense to to do our best of this year. Uh, that would be Scooby-Doo. It was released late last year into this year. Uh, wasn't really in a lot of awards rating stuff. James Bond 007, 60th anniversary, Keith Elwin design. Foo Fighters, Final Resistance, The Godfather, Pulp Fiction, Galactic Tank Force, Centaur Revisited, Venom, Labyrinth. Alien Ripley edition for some of the different categories. And Elton John. What about Queen? Queen was the year before. Okay. It felt like the year before. Because that that thing. What about Space Hunt? I forgot it was a game. (laughs) Um, That, um, the punny stuff. uh, We just haven't played it. It's not big enough. No thanks. Okay. Is that fair? And then, yeah, like, uh, Elvira's Blood Red Kiss. No, it's not really appropriate. Stranger Things rerun. Now, even like Looney Tunes, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It's just, it's a little bit premature, which is why we're doing Scooby Doo this year. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. All right. If we're talking about best theme, Dennis, you're looking at all of those. I'm going to give you my best theme first while you're thinking. But uh, out of all of those games, for me, best theme was Scooby Doo. Mm-hmm. For me, it was Scooby-Doo. Now, my my runner-up, my close, pretty close was Pulp Fiction. It's hard to beat Pulp Fiction, but I think overall, Scooby-Doo is maybe one of the most perfect themes for pinball. And then my personal is Labyrinth, just because I love, I love that. But I've got to say, objectively, best theme, objectively, not my preference, objectively, was Scooby-Doo. What do, what do you say? 
Uh, yeah, for me, it was really close between Scooby and Labyrinth because I th- both think they best exploit nostalgia out oh, of okay. anything else that came out. I think I think Pulp's too new of a film to Ooh, to oh, have been close okay. in that regard. I would agree with you though that I think Scooby objectively Scooby-Doo. is uh, just in terms of theme, not integration, but in sure. theme, best theme alone. Scooby Doo. All right, yeah. so we're on the same page there. What about best design and layout? How this damn thing shoots the geometry behind it. Hmm. Elton John, maybe. I haven't played it, but looking at Elton John, I have bragged on the theme, mm-hmm. but it it looks fun to shoot. I'm going to say Elton John. You're going to go Elton John? It's hard yeah, to argue Yeah, Foo that. Fighters was close, but I think Elton probably it outdoes it. It's very hard to argue Elton John with the Steve Ritchie familiar yet different layout and the uh, all the bells and whistles that accentuate that design. Uh, yeah, I went this year, I went with Foo Fighters. Uh, so I, I had Elton John in that list too. Um, there was maybe some familiarity that I didn't, I was like, I can't fully credit Elton John for, for some of that. Plus it's got a dead end shot, which just mm. makes me feel Led zeppelin again. I sympathize. <sighs> um, now I, I think it's sold as a repeatable shot that comes back and you should be able to hit it again. Maybe I need to adjust the games I played it on, but, uh, for me, Foo Fighters, it almost shoots too well. I've said that. I'm a broken record. Uh, the design of that game is is pretty brilliant. It is really, really good. For for a design to be so good that I care about a game that the theme I just don't really care much about says a lot. And I'd also throw a nod to, maybe even more so than Elton John, Keith Elwin's design of James Bond uh, 0760, the anniversary, because I think he nailed a design that is better than 98% of solid state games, uh, single level solid state games from the eighties or seventies or fucking sixties. You take your pick. Keith Elwin said, Hey, it's 2023. Uh, and I'll do better than all of them. And he did. I'll kick it off with best toys. This is an innovation or anything. It's just toys, just toys, mechs, that kind of stuff. I got to give it to Scooby doo again. There's a lot of games out there. Labyrinth had a ton of interactive toys and moving toys uh, and different things. Even, honestly, even I was considering Pulp Fiction here too. Say what you want, but you got moldings, you got a briefcase that's turning and shining, you've got physical ball locks, you have magnets. There's a lot of stuff going on in Pulp Fiction too, but Scooby-Doo is a world under glass with those toys. It looks like a castle. You have a physical ball lock in multiple places one of which is on the apron that's cool toy one of which is a mystery machine which is so iconic that's cool toy you got moldings you got a scooby that pops up out of a barrel you've got a bookcase that's shaped like a flipper uh that's that's kind of a toy too you've got captain cutler with magnets under the play field and moldings that you bash there's a ton of stuff in there so just objectively i think scooby-doo takes it home for toys as well hmm uh, see, this one's a little tricky for me because it kind of depends what <clears throat> what I want to count as a toy. Sure. I, um, look, I count anything toy-wise, anything that's not a, a plastic or a flat, like a mold, right. uh, anything that looks like okay. a toy or a mechanism. Okay. So, so especially yeah, the mechanism thing was where I was kind of, I'm, I'm going to say Godfather. I could see that. 
Uh, because of that. the number of diverter, the diverter mm-hmm. use, uh, the ability for it to, it's been a very long time, I feel, since we've seen something that honestly, actually, I don't think we've ever seen a game that mixed up shots, shot returns in particular, as much as Godfather did. Ooh. Whether or not you, you want to count the topper as well, which was a very, you know, kind of visual spectacle or audio spectacle wise, very, very cool. It's interactive with the game. So, so given that, uh, but really coming down to the diverters uh, in particular, because I don't think when you look at the, the, Playfield, you don't see like how Labyrinth, that world under glass toy, approached to the same degree. But mm-hmm. what they did mechanism-wise, I think is very impressive. I think it's far more than what it looks like on its surface. So I'll say Godfather for this one. Yeah, you make a good point. Uh, you make a good argument too, Dennis, because I'm thinking like the the molding of that mobster and they turn interacts with the sound and everything light show you get that fountain that has all those rgbs that even even you're listing a lot of the mechanical Mm. pieces these are still molded nice oh yeah nice toys and and let's not forget like that's the spinning disc thing they had that's player controllable yes yeah that so and you get a uh, statue of liberty in the back toy but he rotates both ways and stuff in this and champion or you got the statue of liberty back with the uh that's a Mm -hmm. molded toy you've got even the physical captive ball but physical lock toy that you can even plunge into to backdoor it like yeah you're right there's a lot there uh that yeah 29 ball paths i had to look it up 29 ball paths it was i mean (laughs) that's a lot that's a lot of stuff that's a good call there all right let's jump into rules and code uh uh, it's kind of a tough category because we may not have played as many of these games as we've wanted for as long but uh any thoughts I, on that? Yeah, I'm giving it to Venom for being so bold as Ooh, to really push okay. the envelope on carryover progress. I, I know it's not going to resonate for everyone, but it's it's innovative, it's and for that reason, for pinball. So I, yeah, that's why I'm picking it. We'll see that later on in innovation for me as well. But yeah, it's hard to argue that because it is so fresh and new that it stands apart uh, for rules. I'm with you. I'm 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 giving the nudge though to Foo Fighters. I think, That's fair. I think That's it's fair. just tried and true. It's Tanyo, and it's just solid. It's not mm-hmm. glitchy. Oh, yes. It's full. Oh, yes. uh, it's it's hard to get to everything, and there's so much in that game, but it's not impossible to get to everything. And everything is just approachable, feels good, and again, makes me care about a theme. Otherwise, I may not care. So uh, Best Rules feels like Foo Fighters to me. I'll give a nod to Labyrinth because of what is already there, the team that is working on it, and what I know it, it's going to become. Uh, I, I think maybe keep your eye on the labyrinth uh, as it develops this year, but that's best rules. As we look into best animation and display, it's a godfather for me. It's JP yeah, to win. Same. same. Okay. Everybody's like, oh, Foo Fighters is, Foo Fighters is great this year. It, it was maybe Stern, some of Stern's best ever, but the details and the quality still uh, of the of Godfather, it's it's just second to none. It's, it really is good. Even Venom was a beautifully animated game uh, this year, but Godfather's where it's at. What about callouts? Oh gosh, <sighs> the right answer, Pulp Fiction. I just didn't know. If yeah, the memo yeah. I'm trying. I was. I didn't want it to be the same again. But, I know, but, but yeah, you're right. It it, is Pulp Fiction. I mean, it, there's no. It may be some of the best callouts in in pinball history. It's 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 filthy. Yeah. Um, and it's obscene at times. I'm the foot fucking master. But it's Pulp Fiction, and they got all of the call. They got every call out in the entirety of that movie. They got the entire stem of of the recordings. They can use whatever, and they use a crap load of it. You mind if I 
have some of your tasty beverage to wash this down. Best sound of music? I'm sticking with Pulp Fiction again. It's David Thiel. We finally get him back. And not only does he do some of the greatest sound and music work in all of pinball, uh, but he comes back to the deliciousness of the IP that they were actually able to get in the music of the soundtrack Pulp Fiction. Uh, And again, it screams retro and nobody else can master it like David Thiel. My, my, uh, my, it was hard though. Not Foo Fighters is a great sounding game. And I've got to tip my hat to Scott Denisi with Final Resistance. Anything he touches sound and music wise is phenomenal. And even Elton John sounds good. But for me this year was Pulp Fiction. Yeah, this is a little tough for me, and I because I don't have to, I haven't played it yet, so it's unfair. But uh, I will go Elton John with it, mm-hmm. uh, just because again, uh, we're talking sounds and music, but I I can't separate that from the integration. Oh, and yeah, just yeah. like with Guns N' Roses, I just think the integration is really there when it comes to like what they've got with the marquee on the piano and and the light shows that they tie to it. So that's why it's unfair, is because I'm I to me it's it's linked with how the lights are happening it's not just like your song selection uh whereas i prefer probably would say overall i prefer the songs that are like in pulp fiction itself i Mm -hmm. i just think i think jjp has this sound integration down very very well and i'll i'll give it to him for elton i like that uh giving a lot of nods to elton john there interesting i think you're giving two of them to elton i still like it i still like the uh the elton john nods there and you're right with elton john it has the uh I mean, it plays Pinball Wizard, for God's sake. It's, well, okay. It, I mean, that almost disqualified it, but. it. It, Yeah, but it's still so iconic. Like, we don't want to admit to people outside of Pinball. We want to let them know we hate that. But secretly, See, we still kind of no, like it. No, we don't. Here's, we the, here's like the thing, Zach, that you don't. Because you don't, you don't go and play on location. When you go to, like, bars and stuff, people put this on the jukebox when they see people play in Pinball. And, and it just yeah, gets see, really get tiresome. Really tiresome. Uh, look, ever since I was a young boy, I did play the Silver Ball, but I didn't play it at, like, I played it in bowling alleys and stuff. Best topper. It's important. It is important, uh, Dennis. I know you don't care about it. Can you think of a top? We, I mean... Look, we got Pulp Fiction topper, we got Labyrinth topper with the head, we got James Bond topper with the LED light show, you got the Godfather CE popping off with the gangsters. Any any best of for you this year with Topper? You know, I don't I don't think too much about about Toppers. The but overall, I, uh, just in terms of being able to catch your attention, I I would have given it to Godfather. But okay, Godfather's getting. What are you, Pulp? I'm Pulp, yeah. Yeah, got, it's good, too. I got to go Pulp there. Uh, they're both, uh, this is a year of great toppers. Nice job, manufacturers, of knowing the importance of that. Uh, but you can't argue any of those. You can't argue this, though. Best art. Uh, this is a surprise for people. If anybody hasn't seen straight down the middle, uh, we, we went somewhere that nobody probably is going to go this year. And we gave the nod for best art, and I stand by it to Christopher Franchi's Galactic Tank Force. GTF! Finally win something! It is very good art. It it's is very just, good. I love the the theme of it and the integration of, you can take known stuff like Venom or you can take known stuff like Godfather and, and you can create compositions pretty easily, to, not easily, but you know what I mean. It's there for you. Christopher Franchi, when, he, when we know that he does photorealism, I think it was probably a pretty big challenge for him as an artist to think of some original work and to really integrate the head folding out to look like a tank and then also to put artwork 
that not only looks beautiful and Christopher Franchi-like, but also nods itself uh, to the old 50s space or 30s space kind of feel. You expose some of the bare wood on the play field in your artwork to make it feel old and retro. Even when people are like, oh, there's not a lot of graphics. No, but that's what made it that's what made it great. When you look down at the at the the center of the play field, it felt like an old 60s or 70s Gottlieb type of art style. Uh, and it just it was superb and it was beautiful. Even the characters that people made fun of, he made them beautiful. Uh, and just the color schemes and stuff. It, it was great. Sure. Look, the Venom was beautiful. Foo Fighters, Zombie beautiful. Even Scooby-Doo, effing amazing looking. Elton John is the one that everybody's saying uh, is so great by Christopher Franchi this year. I'm giving it to GTF. I understand. I am not. Uh, I was going to give it to Scooby. Scooby. I think it actually looks like the classic cartoon, and that's why. And it's so Throughout colorful. the play field. Beautiful. And yeah. you know, excellent side cat. They're translites in side cat. I think, I think Spooky gets, uh, because of some other issues that people have had with the games, I think sometimes they don't get as much credit on the art as they deserve. Mm. Uh, and because I think, especially when it's come to translites and and sides of the cabinet, mm-hmm. I think they have often had a lot of the top packages. They, and I, I think Scooby really, well really embraces it. So, well, I totally I totally see GTF as being there. Were, I mean, I can't really think of a game that had maybe Hexa Pinball Space Hunt that had bad art. Um, <laughs> but uh, I'm going to give it to Scooby, I guess. I like That's it. all I'm saying. We were talking earlier about uh, Venom being so innovative uh, and i'm giving it for best innovation i am giving it to venom this year primarily because of uh, not only the code but primarily because of that code i think it's something different that we will see in the future in, in positive ways it's it's hard to feel that now and to know what to do with that now but i think it makes sense later on and especially you physically change the game with that code and and that's cool uh, so best mm-hmm. innovation for me is venom elton john's cool but venom for me yeah, I was going to say Venom as well. Uh, in part, the the rule set I already talked about, but the premium LE and the game state changes mm-hmm. uh, by character, That I think that's a pretty worthy in- oh, yeah. innovation. There's a lot of worlds under glass and theme integration this year, Dennis, whether it's Scooby-Doo, Galactic Tank Force, Pulp Fiction, Labyrinth, you name it. Uh, wh- what do you feel like was the best integrated game theme-wise uh, mm. for these? Actually, I actually thought this one games. was easy, oh, Labyrinth. I went Labyrinth too, yep. I absolutely did. You have to. I mean, it is truly a world under glass. Yeah. And the, and the use of the screen for the back to give that depth and oh, additional yeah, stuff was so, that. it was so smart. It's like, it's both so obvious and so smart at the same time. Uh, almost, yeah, very much so. Looking at that, it just, it feel it looks like Labyrinth. It makes me want to go back and look at my designation for toys or innovation. Because, yeah, mm-hmm. that back I, I really did think so about Labyrinth good. for toys. Um, so but, good. But here, here, I thought I hope that it was is, easy. I hope that is a marker in, in all the Barrels games moving forward, that back panel being an LCD screen. I really, really hope that's the case. Best lighting for me was Elton John. Uh, it's, <laughs> it is a <sighs> dazzler, man. That, yeah. that, it's phenomenal. I mean, to me, it and Godfather have this because they're just drenched sure, in light. Sure, and even Galactic yeah. Tank Force with its own little lighting system that That's, worked yeah. well. Foo Fighters with the expression lighting. There's a lot of good lighting out there. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll say Elton as well. It just for music pins, it just seems it, it, it just works better. It works perfect. It's so dazzling. Yes, nicely done, JJP. What about surprise of the year? We're almost done here. Your best surprise of this year, and it well, doesn't. Labyrinth. Yeah, Labyrinth. That, uh, yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, come on. Is it, yeah. Okay. What about? Oh, I didn't do this on Straight Down the Middle. Game of the mm. Year. Oh. oh. Mm. This is so tough. Can we talk about what's in contention really here? T- to me, there's three games that stand out. To me, the games that stand out for Game of the Year truly and objectively are Labyrinth, Foo Fighters, and Pulp Fiction. Hmm. Okay. I, I can't include Pulp Fiction. Okay. Because I can't even put them out. <sighs> okay. okay. I mean, I mean... Okay. You ain't built. It's like I, I'm willing to. I played it. I'm willing to give it a lot of credit, guys. If you can't build it, they can't come. I mean, look, Fields of Dreams is kicking in here. Well, I, they've built a lot more labyrinths, haven't I, they? I can't. I just like what, what's the? I, I can't give Game of the Year to a game that can't even get out in a year. I I just can't. I cannot. I cannot do it. I'm giving it to Foo Fighters. I okay. pick it for anything else, but overall, as a package, it's like because it's not my favorite style of art. It's definitely not my theme. Uh, I don't think the toys are particularly great. They're good. Um, it's got a lot of Gottlieb throwback stuff. The ball times are maybe overly long, but mm-hmm. you know what? It's approachable. People understand it. The rules are easy to comprehend. It's fun to play, and it's fun to, it's fun to go through the rules, and it's fun to shoot. Mm. So, game of the year. Uh, pretty easily for me, Foo Fighters. Pretty uh, easily. Pulp Fiction wasn't even top five. So. Oh, Sorry, you gotta build. Damn. If you want game of the year, you gotta build. It almost makes me want to pick it now. <laughs> Do it. Do it. Uh, Do it. I said, why don't you pick my game with? Oh, no. It's got no. plastic ramps. I made a virus house of horrors. But GTF is the one that's in contention. It has ice cream. It, it has, has actors cream. that have to look and read the cue cards above the camera. <laughs> I wrote those cue cards. I wrote Where is she? Where is she going? <laughs> Where is she looking? Swear to me. <laughs> My parents died in that cow. <laughs> like the revenant. That is why when you bring them up, I talk about their utter destruction. Thank <laughs> <laughs> you. Oh, Do you know who my favorite bad guy is? <laughs> Moo Gatu. Moo Gatu. <laughs> now we're crossing universes. I'm milkiness for all I've got. Now vote for me. The piano necktie. Oh, wow. <laughs> Moo Gatu. <laughs> Merman. Okay. Yeah. Holy shit. I'm, uh, I think if I'm being objective here, I've, I've got to go through and, and count the votes and look at what I gave the most. No, that's I've... dumb. It's because it's the whole package. You, when things come in number two and a bunch of stuff, it's just like the Oscars. That's how you get things like okay. what's the what's okay, the movie where this. they did the the Ben Affleck one where they rescued all the Iran hostages. That was like it won nothing except movie of the year because it was you know like three or four on everything. So why, do, why am I blanking on that? I should Argo. Whew, almost blanked yeah, Argo. on that. Well, because we only ever saw it once. Yeah, we did. That's true. It's that's very fair. You see it because you have to. Cause it's, an, it's an Academy Award when well, you film. That's and then kind you're like, of, okay. But that's kind of why I'm picking Foo Fighters as well. Because when I, when I think of what the best game is, I look at I really look at two things. Uh, enjoyability and theme are big for me. 
But for me, it's the design of it and it's the rules of it. And I, I said earlier in this segment that both of those got the best of for me. So objectively, I think Foo Fighters uh, is the best game of this year. However, my personal favorite pick of this year would be it's Labyrinth of Pulp Fiction. It's like, I, but I, I probably would take Labyrinth and Pulp Fiction over Foo Fighters because Pulp Fiction is something special. But I thought you and liked Labyrinth GTF. Is, and Labyrinth, yeah, I've owned a GTF. I like it, but uh, it, it comes nowhere near any of these games. And I will also say for Foo Fighters, easily the best seller. That well, yeah, easily. but that's but that's easy. Everyone knew that. Yeah, well, that's partly market dynamics yeah, more but, even than the game. Yeah, but yeah, uh, but okay. I mean, part of the reason I would pick Fu as game of the year and did is also like if someone was just like, I want to buy a game and I want it to be a game that came out in 2023. Which one should I get? Without knowing anything about them, Fu is the safest bet. Yeah, the theme. It's yeah. not nothing about. Well, I don't know many people that are like offended by Foo Fighters music, sure, so sure. it's a safe right. music choice. Uh, the art's it nice. Looks great. Sounds I don't think great. it's. Seems I don't think great. it's Jeremy's best package, but nope, it's nope. nice. The rules are are pretty easy to understand, but there's depth there. And, and you know what? Oh, is it a forgiving layout? So regardless of what people want to say, uh, it has made people even more excited in another stern designer in Jack Danger. People are people are going to be excited for what's coming next because of the design we got for Foo Fighters. That's a fact. Whew, that was fun, Dennis. All right. We got to say thank you, Dennis. Thanks. We got to say thank you to a Bobcat. Hopefully he didn't attack anybody's wives this last week. Surely not. Oh, shoot them fuckers! Thanks again, Rodney. We gotta say thank you to Bumblebee. Bumblebee! Oh my gosh, Bumblebee. Steve, congratulations on your new upcoming game, too. You know what I'm talking about, baby. Congrats. The Panther, thank you, Panther. And I gotta specifically say, Rob, thank you, thank you, thank you for your generosity and, uh, and, and you know, being, being so, so wonderfully nice. Uh, to the minis on Christmas. Thank you. Kineticist. Colin, thank you for not going into a rage tilt versus all these people in the industry. (laughs) Thank you for still keeping your cool and and smiling and being witty. (laughs) Jeez, man. Thank you for being you. And thank you for the support. And thank you for the baby. Thank you, Falcon. Frank, appreciate you. Ready to hang out, Falcon? I'm ready. I want to go play the collection. The shaker motor. Have yourself a, a very shaky Christmas this a season. A red trimmery Christmas. That's right. If anybody gets a red trimmer for Christmas, email me. <laughs> Zach at flippingupinball.com. So I can exchange it. <laughs> so mean. I'm like, I'm like the, the angry book people that want to burn yes. all the books. <laughs> burn all the red trimmer. Uh, thank you, Dave. And the fox. Man, thank you, Jill Fox. So, so, so very appreciated, buddy, uh, for everything. And the bell. We can't forget about the bell. Dingle dong, baby. Charlie. Appreciate it. And, and uh, congratulations for your upcoming game. Winky wink. What about, what about the dude? Oh, I know that guy. Uh, he's a nihilist. William, the dude. William has got a recent game, too. I don't think for wow. me. Not All for these me. Games. Uh, everybody oh. assumes it's for me. I'm not I'm not saying that these are customers of mine. I'm just saying that uh see, people can still be supportive here at the Screaming Goat Club and and not be buyers. Maybe they are, maybe Will is a buyer. Who knows? All I know 
is that this is what happens, Larry. This is what happens when you support the Screaming Goat Club. <laughs> Thanks, Will, and happy holidays to all of our Screaming Goat Club members. Paywall polos are coming, y'all. Yeah, stay tuned for size requests. Dennis, I don't know about you, but I am feeling amped. I'm feeling hyped. I'm feeling energized. I'm excited for Christmas and to start a new chapter or two in 2024. But for now, we'll keep those cards close to my chest while I lie down for you on the table the royal flush of pinball podcasting content and a little thing, ladies and gentlemen, we call pinball market trends. I like your style, dude. Trending up, up, up this week is pitchforks. It's, they can't keep the shelves stocked at Pinball Life and Marco Specialties. All the pitchforks are, are selling. People are buy, buy, buying. Buy, buy, buy! This holiday season, if you've got a grievance to air, grab yourself a pitchfork and stab it in the chest of something you disagree with and likely don't entirely understand. I'm joking, I'm joking. Trending up this week, actually, are new games. Right now, holiday season, we are seeing a lot of sales for new in-box games. Some of them by (laughs) non-dealers. I've got them jokes today. We'll talk about that later. But yes, what I am seeing is a trend in the upward direction of sales of new machines. This typically happens every year. Very common market trend, but a trend nonetheless. Trending down, on the other hand, you will see uh, pre-owned and older title games not selling as rapidly here uh, in the end of Q4 because you've got a lot of people buying brand new pinball machines. A lot of those people just getting into the hobby and wanting to share something with their family and friends. And that of a pre-owned or or an older title typically is not what is purchased. For example, trending down this week is Adam's Family. Take a look at it. There are 18 listings on Pinside alone of Adam's Family. It took a big uptick about a year ago uh, to two years ago during the pandemic uh, and uh, post-pandemic era where Adam's family skyrocketed in value. You couldn't find even a dirty ass one uh, for under $10,000. Here recently, you can find a solid one right under $10,000. You're still going to be spending 11, 12s, even more for restored or or really prime examples of an Adam's family. But right now, uh, sub $10,000. Some of that is, is a reflection on the market in general but also to the more recent trend of holiday sales being a little bit lower for those pre-owned and older titles versus the new in-box games. But trending up this week is Spooky Pinball. A round of applause right now. Let's go ahead, give Spooky Pinball a round of applause. Even if you're not buying the game, it doesn't matter. They are doing great things over there. And I and many others are quite impressed with this recent layout design for Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Looney Tunes. Spooky Pinball, in your newly released collector's edition model, you are giving us more and you are charging us less. Nice job. Ooh, baby, we love that. Also trending up this week, uh, it's, what is this? A, a pinball media market trend? What? Trending up this week is Ron Hallett from the Slam Tilt Podcast. 2023 in particular has been a hot year for Slam Tilt Podcast, but and I gave Bruce Nightingale some love uh, weeks or months back, but this week in particular, it's got to go out to Ron Hallett Jr. The guy's a little fireball right now, but you wouldn't know it unless you gave him a big old hug. Careful. No, in all seriousness, this last Slam Tilt podcast, I witnessed one of the most articulate, rational, logical, while still being entertaining analyses in the last year. 
it was it was such a highlight for me. Do yourself a favor, go listen to this episode. Like usual, Ron Hallett shot you straight with his thoughts and opinions on the recent social community media kind of stuff. But he did so in a way that I respect the hell out of. He didn't just open his chest and pull out his heart and throw it on the table for quick listens. That shit is easy to do. Have an emotional meltdown or scream, pin my market chance, right? And people will pay attention. Ron was like a fine wine, mm, not too dry. Oh, sweet. He delivered the goods to the listener, but I applaud him for having a bite to his bark. Ron, it was very clear you did the work and you educated yourself before presenting your take on a situation. And the result was exactly what makes me proud to be a part of the cringeworthy term pinball media. Fucking A plus, Ron. Nicely done. Also training up this week apparently is Dolly Parton. So I get a restored model in for myself. You guys know my Dolly, my love for Dolly Parton. I've been bountying that for a while. Found a fully restored one, brought it in. So I was gonna sell my super nice condition one, not fully restored, but it was on deck to be restored if I couldn't find a restored one. I list this thing, which I, I thought, you know, fair price, but um, not, uh, not like a crazy deal, but uh, I think a really fair price for a game in a condition, Dolly Parton, that uh, it's not easy to find and, and, and with a nice play field and such, but by no means was it restored. It was just an above average uh, player's condition game. And some of you who bought those pitchforks at the beginning of the segment, you guys got those. You guys were fighting each other for this damn Dolly Parton. If I would have known there was going to be this much competition to get this game, I would have bumped the price $250. Daddy needs to pay for some Christmas presents. So congratulations, it's going up north to the Chicagoland area. So two, three, four years ago, nobody cared about Dolly Parton pinball. Even the most competitive players that like these early solid state, nobody cared. Nobody wanted it. Sure, I'm the one that said, hey, it's got one hell of a spinner. It's got one hell of a theme. Inline drop targets, saucer up top. This thing is fantastic. Nah, you didn't want it. Now you want it. And I don't blame you. Let's find some balance here, though. Training down this week, not only are those pre-owned older titles, that Adams Family training down, it is what it is. Numbers don't lie. Training down this week is Pinball Awards. Oh, God. After this week, one single tear trails down the face of a Zach Minnick. So much news related to Pinball Awards this week and the following week. The Twippies are dead or they're dying. Maybe they're on a breathing machine, but no longer moving forward are they even the shell of what they once were can they be brought back to the glory of what once was only time will tell and as craig bobby always says you'll just have to tune in to patreon as an exclusive club member of the pinball show to find out <laughs> the pinball award even the pinball awards announced they were having no show this year what is going on and the amazing part of all of this is the surface level story of all of these happenings are super interesting. But just like Freud's iceberg, woo, so much more behind the scenes. Even more juice there, very interesting stuff. But trending down the year of 2023 when it comes to pinball awards. They're dead, they're not happening this year, people. And honestly, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with this industry, with this community having no awards this year. As we look back years from now, I think we will all agree, regardless of what sides we're on or what our, we'll all agree we needed a break. 
Also trending down this week, apparently, is non-dealers selling new in-box games. I told you I'd talk about it. Some of you saw on Facebook that there's some back and forth between some people in the community. I was trying to sell my new in-box game that I just no longer wanted, clearing some space, and Stern Pinball contacted me, and they were angry, told me I couldn't sell for this, etc., etc., etc. There's another story that some information, not fully to present it, but nonetheless, I think I'm with a lot of people. It would be very difficult to expect... It would be very difficult to expect that somebody that owns something is their property and they're trying to sell it. How, how is a company going to say, wait a minute, you can't sell that property? Wait, that doesn't make any sense. If Joe Blow's got a, a game new in box, he decided not to open it. He wants to sell it. He should be able to sell it for whatever he wants to sell it for, right? So if that really were the case, why would Stern Pinball ever step in and try to figure out what's going on here? Maybe there is more to the story. Regardless, I can tell you this. I really don't think Stern Pinball is concerned with consumers selling their pinball machines, whether they're in the box or out of the box. Not really concerned with that. What they're not okay with are dealers taking their inventory and having other people sell said games at cheaper than agreed upon distribution agreement pricing. That's the issue they have. Now, I'm not saying whether this is that situation or not. I'm not saying that. You go looking into it because it didn't pertain to me, so I didn't do the work to suggest one way or the other. All I'm saying is Stern is very concerned if dealers do such because we have a business relationship. We as in dealers have a business relationship with Stern and Pinball, an agreement of sorts and breaking terms of agreement can disrupt the entire sales structure of the products that we represent. And if I'm a hobbyist and a hobbyist alone, yeah, sure, I want these damn games to be as cheap as possible. But it's a slippery slope. It's one of those things that you think you want that until over time it messes up everything. And then we live in a world where there's no laws or rules and people are fighting for chicken legs in the back alleys. Yeah, that's what'll happen. <laughs> Just believe me when I say that it is very important for Stern Pinball to be on top of these things, to not allow dealers to not artificially disrupt the value of their products. I assure you, you will see other manufacturers fall into that trap before Stern Pinball. And what you're probably thinking right now is the same as what I'm about to say. Look at the value of other manufacturers' products and how slippery they can get compared to the stability that we have seen historically from a Stern Pinball. There's reason for that, everyone. And even as a dealer, do I want Stern Pinball on my ass about sales and making sure I'm in the up and up, right? It's kind of like the police. You know, I'm driving. I got somebody, I got a police officer behind me. Even if I'm nervous, doesn't mean I've got an eight ball of Coke in the trunk. It's just, I get a little uneasy, right? So I don't want Stern being on my ass about this kind of stuff either, even if I'm not doing anything wrong, but I'm glad they're there. Did I just compare Stern to the 5-0? You know what I mean. And if not, then I suppose I'm just the man and part of the problem myself. Let's go to deal of the week. I want to save you guys a dollar or two. Bye, bye, bye. Let's save you guys some money on a Venom Premium. I recently listed and sold one for a pre-owned one for $85.99. That was a hell of a deal right there. Had another one come in very similar to this one. It has a couple hundred more plays on it. I think it's about 400, 500 plays on this thing. Just came in. I'm going to reduce it now for the holiday, $81.99. Bam! Take it or leave it, baby. Come get you some Venom Premium. Bye, bye, bye! Bye, 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 indeed, skis. Pinball Bounty, still looking for a Radical, still looking for a Congo. I only want the mintiest examples. And I'll add another one on there. Lord of the Rings, baby. You heard it. 
The Lord of the Rings is now being added to the pinball bounty. I need some more Gollum in my life. I need it. Home use only, get me that really, really nice, juicy example of Lord of the Rings. I don't have to have the LA because I, I can't guarantee you that I'm not going to strip this game down and hire an artist to redo all the artwork for me anyway, so but I still need it to be fresh and new. Lord of the Rings, add it to the list. And as always, peoples, I'm just here to report the facts because numbers don't lie and neither do I on the award-winning pinball market trends. <laughs> Let's close down the show. Where can people catch you? I can reach out at eclecticgamerspodcast at gmail.com. Or you can email us both at thepinballshow at gmail.com. Dennis doesn't check those regularly. I do, but I can forward those to him. And also, go follow, like, and subscribe the Pinball Show. Oh, we just kind of showed you what happens when you do. When you continue to support us and love on us, we extend and return all that loving, baby. Even if it's in the form of hardwood, a playfield, you know, innuendo or toppers mm -hmm. and also follow like and subscribe straight down the middle video series on youtube that i do with my buddy greg uh, we just did our best of and review of 2023 as well as an upcoming episode uh, titled uh, sneak peek into 2024 pinball Ooh. and the sponsor of the pinball show is proudly flipping out pinball when i buy my pinball shit i buy from flipping out from toppers or materials i've got it figured out flipping out Product showcase this week, honestly, if you're listening to this on Monday, is any machine you're willing to buy for Christmas for yourself or someone else, give me the challenge of trying to get it to you before Christmas. I can't guarantee it, but I think we can, uh, flipping out equals flipping fast, so let's see if we can do it. We've got nearly any title on the market that you want right now in stock. And for Stern Pinball Machines, we are still holding to free shipping. Ain't no bullshit free shipping to a terminal for you to have to go pick up. No, no. It's free shipping to your door. Let's get it there. Flipping out with friends. Go watch Joel. Support him as he streams the newest and greatest games as well. This has kind of a vodcast podcast kind of thing where he does flipping out with friends, talking with di different industry media people, uh, usually, or, uh, or experts in the field of creating pinball, or even fans like yourself uh, flipping out with friends. Pinball Party. I got to give a shout out to Pinball Party doing Jason doing the 12 Balls of Christmas. <laughs> Very entertaining segments. Mm. 12 podcasts, 12 days. Uh, I was able to be the number one ball. So uh, he interviewed me, and that was, a, that was a great showing. We had a lot of fun discussing the ins and outs of not only pinball, but like of the holiday season, whether I believed in ghosts, uh, aliens. Just always fun over there with Jason. And uh, if, if you're asking me, the, the great new thing that, that came out of last year or so in podcasting is it's definitely Pinball Party. What about TPN last week? Oh, we did actually have a couple of things that came out after our uh, last episode mm. that we did. Uh, one of those was Final Round. It was episode 76, 100% Pinball, which um, maybe they rounded the percentage they on. They have. Is, 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 is all I'll say. It's all I'll say. It's showing then, Brazil numbers there. Yeah. And then uh, <laughs> then Dr. John on his Aussie Pinball podcast had Escher Lefkoff. Oh, yeah. That, that was a good one. Man, Dr. John hitting it. Man, bringing the heat over there. Love it. Well, folks, always remember, Papa, don't let us down, Papa. Don't you do it. This better not be a pull sharks tutorial. <laughs> and always practice safe pinball and pre-order your next Stern Cornerstone today 
from Flip and Out Pinball by email me at Zach at Flip and Out Pinball.com. Z-A-C-H at Flip the letter N out Pinball.com or text me 812-457-9711. Happy holidays, everybody! Bye bye bye! Bye bye bye! bye.